Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. coming and hanging out with me at the windowsill. And if you haven't been here before, I'm really glad you're here. This is Windowsill Chats. This week, I pulled a little fast one. I am talking with my mom this week, Sally Tantow, who is one of my main inspirations. She just celebrated, she's going to kill me for this. She just celebrated her 85th, sorry, mom, birthday. But I wanted to throw that out there because when you hear this interview, she will come across as the 65-year-old that she lives her life as. <laughs> she just, she's super, super active and won't be slowing down for quite some time. But we have great conversation. And I was really uh, fortunate to grow up with two parents, two parents who were hardworking and appreciated color and light and life and beautiful places and books and, you know, solid, safe home and, and things like that. So I know that's, as I've grown up, I know how crazy lucky I am to have grown up with uh, the love and the warm roof over my head that, that I did and no small amount of the creative life I've been able to lead is due to people that have come before me. And most of all, my dear mama, uh, she grew up in the Midwest and was a kindergarten teacher, went to school and was a kindergarten teacher that found her moving to California, where after a few years, she met my dad. So they were in California until just about a year and a half ago when they moved up to Vashon Island, Washington, where I am. And this is just a little conversation touching back on her creative career. And I'll have to have some more conversations with her because she is she's a woman with many, many thoughts, activist in her own way, which I really appreciate. And she's a reader and a devourer of information and a, she never meets a stranger. And so I'm happy to introduce my mom, Sally. So thanks for being here today. And maybe you'll get a little smile out of this. Thanks, Mama, for being here. This is really fun. This is really, really fun. Yeah. So 
you're uh, my inspiration. I always say that, but I mean, I think we all have all sorts of inspirations, but I don't think I would have been who I am creatively if it weren't, if I didn't have you as a mom who was always kind of spoon feeding us uh, creative ideas and visuals and, and things like that. So what was the quote? It most, <laughs> most people know it because I say it so often, but what did you always tell us to do when we were walking down the street anywhere, like in the city? Look up. Oh, I told you to always look up, but it was just me. It wasn't a quote from anyone else. I told you that, especially when we were in Baltimore and we were at a gift show and we were out seeing the town and we looked up and there was this fabulous, fabulous decor on the top of a building. And you looked up and you thanked me for having you do that ever since. So yeah, I can remember doing that in San Francisco and wherever, you know, you tend to look, you know, look at what's right in front of you or look at where you're going or, you know, that's a practical way to do it. But when you look up, especially in a city, well, when you look up in the country, you see things too, but there's so much good design on cornices and over doorways and way up high on buildings. And oh my gosh, you know, lettering and carvings and don't miss it is what is what there's so many things says. that I wish could talk to us and they do their best. People say homes don't talk, but you know, I always say they do because there's so much history in them for us to find out if we just do a little research. And I think it's that way with buildings in town too. I, just driving back from Seattle the other day, we saw a wonderful old brick building. And obviously it's gone through earthquakes and things like that. And it's still standing in, and it's not far from water's edge. And I, I love to know its story, but right. you know. And now that you can see some really old movies that are colorized. I saw one of the first videos of a cat and it was from 18 something. And and you just think who walked in front of those buildings and went in and out of those buildings and what were they wearing and what were they doing? And so different than what we're doing now. So different. So, so tell me if you always felt creative. Well, my parents, as you know, built a home uh, and the plans were out and they built it when I was two. And I would get taken over with them. And uh, I got very intrigued with walking around the house way before it was done and and watching and seeing it develop into what became Can you remember that? Uh, I don't remember walking around it. I can remember walking with my mom from the house down to Raycraft, which was way down past Millican university to get an ice cream cone but she always <laughs> had a soda but I don't, re- I don't remember going over and yet you know it's it's yeah. there somewhere and early I, days well I've said to you so many times that I think those things before we're 10 have a huge influence on us and we don't even realize what they are I think that was your case I mean mm. Heaven's sakes, I'd go to the design center, I would bring home fabrics, and I would bring home carpet samples. And those days you did that today, you do it all on the computer. And it's not nearly as much fun as picking up those fabrics and feeling nearly. what you did. I'd bring the fabrics home and you always love to see the fabrics. Shelly always loved to get the rug samples and put them on the floor and then walk through them. See which was the best on the feet. Yes, which one? Felt best. So yes. your house, that house that was built by your parents in Decatur, Illinois, it had some really great 
design elements. Like probably that was the first place I ever saw a quote painted on the wall. It was so well done. And that was painted on the wall. I don't know. Did she paint it when it was built or did she paint it like in the fit forties? No, I think she painted it in uh, or had it painted fifties. Had it done. Yes. What did it say? Tell me what it said. Come on, let's eat. Come on, let's eat. It said, come on, let's eat. But the lettering was kind of, kind of loopy, but it was a two color, like the high, it was an, I want to say it was orange and red or orange and yellow, orange and yellow, or reddish orange and yellow. And then it had those bells. Oh my gosh, I can see it. But you know, my, my grandmother, mom's mom, she was always sewing and needle pointing and she always was doing something with her hands and her garden was beautiful. So you were surrounded by somebody that cared about how things looked. She was very creative. And while they had an architect who did the house named Rod, not Rodney Spangler, it was Rodney's father. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, mom was very much a part of that house. And while she was not fortunate enough to have the education that you and I have had, she educated herself. I know that when she was working in St. Louis at noontime, she would go down to famous and bar or whatever the different uh, big, huge department stores were. And she would look at dresses and somehow she would sketch that. And I never saw her sketch anything, but she did it for her mom and she'd take it home and her mother would make the clothes for her. Yeah. My grandmother went through eighth grade. She lived in St. Louis and, um, and then worked to help support her family. But she and her sister um, had these, from what I was told, had these amazing outfits that their mom, that they would sketch from the window of the department store, Carson's or whatever it was. And then um, my grandmother would make them for them. For them. So she always yeah. felt very well-dressed, but they came to it, you know, the way they, they were able. But didn't... Um, didn't your grandpa work in the fabric store or something like, wasn't there a way that they got? He did at one point. Yeah. And not very long. And not when I, not yeah. that I remember. So did she encourage you to be creative? I think very much so. Uh, when we'd go to St. Louis, she'd always take me down and take grandma and me down for lunch to the fashion show because fashion show. at lunch, Was that a restaurant? No. Yes, it was a restaurant in the department store. Oh, wow. Yes. And we would we would sit there and look at that and and see the people. And of course, they'd come by. And of course, mom would talk to them because she never met a stranger. (laughs) She she would. Well, and those were the days that you I mean, you didn't go out to out anywhere without dressing up. That's very true. I mean, when one of the things my cousins and I, and, and my sister and I inherited were all her hats. She had many hats, <laughs> literally and figuratively. So you, um, your dad was a doctor, but this was also at the time when women who, and you went to college, which was unlike, unlike your mom did, but your dad, you know, worked hard to, to get himself through. But when women went to college, um, when you did, it was unusual for a woman to be something other than a teacher or a secretary or a nurse. Would you say or no? Well, that's true. Most of the my friends did those sort of things. 
Because I remember you saying you weren't encouraged to do anything much else. No, I can remember uh, because in those days, sitting sitting on the stairs with my mom is a place that we always seem to sit down and chat and uh, talking about being a doctor. And she said, oh, but girls today, if they're doctors, they don't have time because they've got to be moms. And which is true because moms didn't really work. But uh, I mean, I I don't remember any of my friends, mothers working at all. They volunteered and did things like that. They all volunteered. Well, yeah, it was an, it was an era. I mean, yeah, it was another thing that, uh, there was the, uh, the arc building. It was an old, old building. You might remember it was down on main street. It wasn't at Millican. It was just past Millican. And I guess it was the Art Institute or something like that. Hmm. And I know my brother and I both took some painting. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, I I, always felt like you were super creative when I was growing up. You, (laughs) I do remember some unfinished project. I remember that some like a PK dress that you started to sew (laughs) when I, I think when you were expecting me and we finally gave that, it was mostly finished. I don't think it ever had the buttons on. And then there was that brown, beautiful cable, brown sweater, like cables, which I was so impressed in this. I think there were two sleeves and the right hand side was done. And <laughs> I inherited that. Trait that, too. Finished. that was for my brother. And I did get it finished and, and it went back. But the neck was a little, little tight for him. But he had had, uh, I guess, one of dad's nurses was very uh, adapted, things like that, and took it out and redid it so he could wear it. He very sweetly wore it (laughs) Uh, it looked kind of like an irish uh sweater as a matter of fact but so i always remember you drawing things and being creative and being insert oh and you you told you did toll painting remember you painted that when that was the era the watering can and and i painted i painted when i graduated from high school we were in st louis and i'd gotten some money for graduation and i saw the bed in the window uh in St. Louis, and we bought that. And it was a so hand painted. Well, ex- describe it. Well, it was green, and it had. It, it was hand painted. Posters. It was hand painted, and it had. It was a, my childhood a little, man, little woman on it. Yeah. Uh, in a little oval right in the middle, and it had just kind of leaves and things, but yeah. it wasn't overly done. But then it had two posts, but just at the head, with yeah. just a little. I want to call it a balcony. I don't know yeah, it was this little thing, but the the net net is it was a beautiful hand painted bed, but with a scene. Yeah, so that was something you got early on. I got that, and of course, then went off to college and didn't didn't sleep in it very much. But I did cool. paint to match it. I painted a little table for beside the bed, and I painted uh, the mirror. I still have the mirror over my dresser here. <laughs> yeah, on Rashan. The, the table has gone bye-bye. Uh, and then I had, no, I didn't have the dresser in that room. So, yeah. yeah. But yes, so you, you always, you all, it was, you were creative, but I think like so many people that I get to talk to, um, that wasn't necessarily what you thought you would make a career out of early on. But then um, mom and dad, dad was in the army when they got married. Um, and you found yourself at Fort Riley in Kansas and did 
some really great you I think you finally because you got mom was a teacher like we were talking about a kindergarten teacher but then I think when she got married to my dad you were able to take some classes that you really wanted to take talk, talk about those well, before that, you've got to remember when I was five years old, and you've talked about this and mentioned it, I know, on, on one of, at least one of your Zooms that I've heard. When I was five years old, I would rake leaves into houseplant yeah. because, yeah. of course, I'd been watching these, this house develop oh, yeah. with me. And when you're five, you do the important things in your life. It had a kitchen, and it had a bedroom, and it had a bathroom. There you go. And so the leaves were, of course, then there was the refrigerator in the sink. I can't remember that it had a stove <laughs> and it had a bed and it had a toilet. <laughs> but those were all just pretend things created by leaves. Yeah. And so and I had a great neighbor friend that we played and raked and raked leaves and did that. So I can see it today. I can see right where it was. I can see it like I just just did it. This morning when I was outside raking leaves again, <laughs> I guess maybe that's why I like to rake leaves. But so my mom, because she didn't get to go to college, was there was there was no doubt in our minds, my brother and mine, that we were going to on to school. And uh, I considered going into design at the University of Michigan, but it was the Bahas mm-hmm. time. And I didn't like that at all. And in fact, I was thinking about talking to you today because I was thinking about last night that when dad and I were in Germany, we went by and we saw the original Bauhaus Bauhaus. building and they were bleak. Mm. They were just as bleak as they could possibly be. And that's what that era was. It created a whole new feeling of, but you brought so much of that, the part of it that you liked, you brought the warm part. Like we had all that beautiful teak and our, you know, the house we grew up in was very, it wasn't mid-century. It was the warm part of that. I feel like you took the part that you liked. I mean, we always went to design research growing up and Mary Mecco. And so I feel like you, you took the Sally part and, and made it that much more your own, which was, which is one of the things about your interior design, which we're taking a, a while to get to. But um, when you were in Fort Riley, what'd you do? Well, I was pregnant with you. So I marched myself off to Kansas State University and to the design department. And I was fortunate enough to walk into uh, Opal Hills office and talk to her. And Opal Hill uh, encouraged me to take a semester of design. And she also, I of course already graduated from college. So uh, I didn't, I, you know, I wasn't really sure <laughs> what, what that meant that I, w- I wasn't going to get an advanced degree or something, but I was very excited to be able to be part of their design uh, program because it was excellent. And Opal Hill was the guiding light for the rest of my life. Yeah. yeah. She was beyond a mentor. She, uh, she was one of the strictest teachers I ever had. I had a one-on-one class with her where I designed a house 
and put all the furnishings in it and the fabrics and so forth. And I would just meet with her twice a week, but I'd also do other things. I can remember particularly uh, clay and having fun mm -hmm. with that. And, and then just general design classes that I had. And so the day after school was over, you could have knocked me over with a feather. She called and said, would you like to go to farmer's market with me? Of course I would like to go to farmer's market with her. So she was, she was a fantastic teacher. Yeah. Just fantastic. One of your life's mentors, I think. Definitely, definitely so. Because she then came to San Francisco. We were in Menlo Park at that point and took me to Jackson Square, which mm. was the design area in San Francisco at that point, before mm. the design center. And she took me down there and she introduced me to different fabric people. And she was, she would, there was no doubt in her mind that I had some talent and yeah. she was determined that I was going to use it. So and did she have connections that. in San Francisco? Like, how did she know these people? She was no, she just knew it was there. Uh, okay. She okay. So she, so she was probably saying she was probably giving you a, a big nudge. She was giving me a huge nudge and there was no doubt. I mean, she, she pushed me. She didn't just encourage me. She just said, That's you nice. have to do this. You are, and it's you interesting because how much older than you was she, do you think? She was my mom's age. Yeah. So she was born, you know, turn of the century ish, probably, and was very, I mean, design was her thing. I remember going to her house. I mean, this relationship didn't end. I remember going there and it was a clean line, big windows, all those rocks she had or her husband had. But, but so she, you know, she, I wonder like the whole Bauhaus movement and things like that for her, you know, obviously she'd lived through, you know, she probably had a fairly Victorian upbringing and, or maybe her house was, or at least her grandparents' house, but somehow she just defined what good design meant for her and then helped you hone in on yours. Cause I have a feeling you had a similar point of view as she did. She had some very contemporary furniture. Yeah. She had, yeah, her house was, was contemporary for the time. And it was, she it did was, that thing where she pulled out of what was happening, the things she thought were had good lines and good form. Definitely. And, and I think that was how you, I mean, I think you already had that from, or maybe, you know, a lot of it came from Opal, but you know, our, that's how our, that's how I remember our house being like, so you went on to, well, it didn't quite go that way. So you, so you were a stay at home mom. And I remember the first two things you and Nancy did that purse kit. You stepped into manufacturing with that. Talk a little bit about what that was. Well, yes, I have another friend who was very creative and we had a fun thing happen and we got to know each other. There were, we had, there were three friends and they all had very interesting homes. Aggie mm -hmm. was one of them and mm -hmm. Nancy and then another one. And so Aggie determined that we were going to have lunch and go visit each other's homes and have a, a four course lunch, if you will. Oh, oh I'm, I'm, okay. And go to someone, something at each person. Aggressive lunch. Yes. And, and that's really was very much a part of, of all okay. that period of time. I think by that time I was, I was already a uh, interior designer. 
Because there, I remember growing up in Menlo Park before we moved, there was that one lady who did interior design. The only one, and she had what was her name? Anne something. Oh, from Saratoga. Yeah. Yes. 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 And she I did this. She had done art. She did a little bit of. She helped you a little bit, and then yes. helped the slates a little bit. Sorry, I'm talking about childhood friend names here. But then I, th- I seriously remember you like she can do it, I can do it, and, and but she was. This was a time when if you're an interior designer, it was. It, they were not on every Instagram account, but like being an interior designer in night, when was this? The sixties. Yeah. Yes. It was not common. It was a standout sort of thing in my memory. So when we were a little bit older, so it was probably more in the seventies when you, when we moved up to the Napa Valley and you were like, that's it. You guys are old enough. You know, I don't have to be there to pick you up or whatever. And um, I'm going all in. So that's when you know, kind of the floodgates opened, I feel like for your business. It really did. And were there any other interior designers in the Napa Valley? No, there really weren't. (laughs) Let's review. (laughs) In the Napa Valley, believe it or not. So I got to do wineries. I got to do the winery people's homes. And they were, they were all friends because when we moved to St. Helena, 16 wineries. It was small and it wasn't known all over the world. I like to say people drove, kids drove pickup schools, excuse me, kids drove pickup trucks to school, not what they, you know, wasn't fancy. That's for sure. When we moved to Menlo Park or from Menlo Park to St. Helena and went to the league and told them that I was going to have to resign. And I, I was moving to St. Helena and they all looked at me like, well, where's that? (laughs) They could have told me. I mean, it was like I was moving to Alaska. So those of you who don't know what the heck we're talking about, we're talking about Northern California in the U.S. And St. Helena, California was the heart of the wine country, the Napa Valley wine country, which at that time really was very small and was run by farmers, not you know, a little different than it is now, but it was starting to really uh, rival some of the European, some of the vineyards and wines were, were starting to rival some of the European ones and starting to win, you know, in blind tastings and things like that. So when I was young, mom and dad and my aunt and uncle really loved wine and were interested in it. And we were living in a busy kind of part of South of San Francisco, the Bay Area. And I think you guys thought like, we don't have to live here anymore. Let's let's move to a place that maybe has a it's a little bit better place to bring up our kids. And there's things happening that we like and it's more affordable, et cetera. And, and so um, as I chose Vashon, you chose you guys chose St. Helena, which was a wonderful thing. Well, remember that we had that wonderful little cottage first. I up in can't ever forget that. That's yeah. what made the difference because we would go up there and go up there. And then you went off on the father daughter horseback ride with your father, but Shelly wasn't old enough. So Shell and I were at uh, our little cottage all by ourselves. And when you all came back, I said, I don't think I need to go back. I think I'd be happy being here forever. And that was really the real thing. I, mm. I mean, I thought the traffic, the traffic by Golden Gate, no, the ballpark was where it sort of came out of San Francisco going south and it'd always be busy. Well, it's, <laughs> it would Those be were like the days <laughs> compared to today. <laughs> yes. but you made the decision, I mean, to live a life that felt more like one you wanted to be aligned to, but you were at that same time. You decided you wanted to be an interior designer. So 
at that time, like you said, of course, there wasn't online. So to get you started having these um, clients that were friends, but also you did some pretty beautiful, amazing things, projects. So you had to drive all the way to San Francisco, which was 65 miles, basically. Then it was an hour. Right now, it would probably be closer to two, but it was you'd go down and to get fabrics, you would have to go to it was then it was Jackson Square. Now it's it's another place in San Francisco and has been for several years. But so you would go to those places that Opal introduced you to, right? Like, how did that all begin? How well, did you start your business? Yes. By the time I went, there was there was the other design center. So I started doing that. And then they created the design center. Mm-hmm. But there was yeah, as you said, there's no other, there was no other way. There wasn't, there, there were computers. There no, were not no, there was computers. Not. I know. So there <laughs> was nothing like that. And it makes me sound like I'm at least 189, but <laughs> not quite. And so it was, you know, you'd pick up the phone and you'd talk to your client and you'd make an appointment. And I would go to the city with a list. And I often had 15, sometimes 20 clients, maybe, maybe some of them only wanted a pillow, but some of them wanted more. And some, of and there was no other way to get it. It wasn't like you went down to home goods or Ikea. There there was no other way to get a pillow that matched your, there was, you know, decor. And even the department stores didn't really have much to choose from. Mm -mm. So I was very fortunate in my timing and everything about it. And it was, I mean, it was great. And and when you were still both in school, I would whip down and whip back to pick you up, yeah. <laughs> which was, you know, I didn't have my, but I could, I had the ability to carry in my head yes, you what, did. what my clients needed. And I could go in and whip through these great big, they were solid, but they were like screens that you just move back and Each one one was a different fabric sample that was almost, you know, six feet by three feet or four feet big. And then you'd go up to the office and you'd you'd had your little list with the numbers you wanted and they'd give you the samples and and a wonderful, always very designed bag. And you went home with that. And those Schumacher bags. I miss those Schumacher bags. Yes. And, uh, uh, Brunchwig and Fee, those were fabulous. Brunchwig, Pindler. Oh, yeah. God. And so I would call my clients and the next day I was off showing them fabrics and uh, I was always giving them discounts because I thought fabric cost too much, <laughs> which That's didn't help work. my pocket bit like it should have, but it helped theirs. And we had fun. And besides so many of them were really good friends. Yeah. Um, but I also got to do your sorority house at Davis. I got to do the Alpha Phi house at Berkeley. I got to do two churches in St. Helena. I got to do a railroad car. I had a You did. What wineries did you do? Freemark Abbey. Behringer. Behringer. And uh, right. Freemark Abbey. And Let's talk a little about your Freemark Abbey that was a, an amazing experience. That office, what you got to do some pretty special stuff. What tell us, tell us, tell us about that. Cause in that, the, in the, then what was there to look at? There was architectural digest house and garden house, beautiful and house, beautiful. That was it. That basically. was it. That was I mean, it. as far as, as shelter magazines. Um, so you found an ad in framework. Abbey was one of the wineries and the person that mom was working for was the president. And he wanted an office that 
was representative unique. and unique. And so how'd that unfold? So I did see, I know exactly what you're talking about now. I saw an ad for a chair that I liked and I went to New York because I could do that with your dad being a pilot. And while we were in New York, I went to this spot that had been mentioned. And while they were out of the room, I very carefully wrote down the address of it. And then I went, we were headed to Germany. So that's why, because it was the furniture that I had made and designed all of it myself uh, was made in, uh, excuse me, not in Germany, in England. In England, uh, and trying to remember the guy's name way off toward Kent, it was fabulous. And, uh, but in the town, which was definitely in the eastern part of England, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't think to write that down last night while I was thinking of things. Uh, anyway, it was there, was there was an old, old, probably pub from hundreds of years before. Mm. And it had the grape design on it yeah, yeah. that I basically looked at and it inspired me to create the one. And I think I brought it home and I think you helped do that. I did. I designed a rug to match. Yes, you did. And a desk yep. and bookcases. And it, it was, was amazing. It was a fabulous experience. It was, was it a double desk? It was the, it was a huge desk. And this, this amazing man that built this furniture. Gosh, I wish I could remember his name right now. I will think of it, hopefully. Um, but he, you worked with him directly for a long time and he can carved this whole office suite. Well, so, his company, his company did. His company we went did. to the, to the, but they didn't call them factories. Right. Well, and so anyway, we went to his, the shop and he knew everybody's name and, and who, I mean, would walk around and dad was with me and, and, you know, your child, you know, only was your child, Johnny, Johnny, who was the child, had a birthday yesterday. How was it? And uh, your birthday is coming up. I mean, he'd go around. He knew it was just such a personable spot. And in, in England, instead of cutting lumber like we have lumber when we go to the, to the lumber yard, they would take a uh, titch. March. Titch and Mark and Goodwin. Very good, Mom. There. It just took a while to come into the, <laughs> the computer. gets very full as you get older. Oh, I hope I remember anyway, things like uh, you do when uh, I... Yeah. The, the wood was carved in the log shape. Huh? And so some pieces were wide. You just... When oh. you, I mean, looking at his the, the mill and what it was, you would see just the shape of the log. Yeah. And it was, but it was all sliced. Yeah. So you could have some very wide pieces and some narrow pieces all from the very same uh, tree. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yes, it was, it was quite a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah. And, we had bespoke carpets and I can't remember what fabric you used, but it was something linen. If I do recall, like, I just remember, I just, this was, you know, I was, pretty much in college when you were deep into it and yes. some in high school, but, um, and I was studying design. Nice. Yeah. High school too. But I'd go down to the, to a showroom with mom, as she say, 
like she said a minute ago, and she would have all this stuff in her head and she'd be whipping through these panels of wallpaper or fabric or carpets or whatever. And she'd be, you know, as, as she's going through, as you were going through mom, you were thinking of everybody on that list of 15 to 30 and she'd be like, okay, that one for the Beckstoffers and okay, that'll work for the Mondavis and okay, that'll work for, you know, the Livingstons and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like my head, like, how do you keep this all straight? But it was a very good, um, so many lessons for me, whether I knew I was getting them or not, you know, uh, you're always talking about color, always talking about how different styles went together. And even before you did that kind of work, as I mentioned, we were always, you were, we were pointing things, you were always pointing things out. Like we would go to design research or, or is that the store that was down um, when we lived in Menlo park that we went to and, and the George Jensen, you know, looking at all that stuff and driving by, Oh, we used to go, we always used to go to open houses so we could see what other people's houses. Always, were. always, always to open houses. Besides that way, I always knew how much a house how what, what range the homes were in. But I wanted to say one thing about Titch Marsh and Goodwin and the wonderful man that owned it because he would not let me pay one penny down for any of the furniture that I got. Times have changed. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I, when we, when we were there, uh, we went after uh, well, no, we didn't go. We went before I got it all made, but I talked to him several times on the phone. And, and I said, how, how did you know? How did you know that I was reliable and you were going to get paid? And he said, you can just tell when you talk to somebody. It was a wonderful, wonderful compliment, but it was, yeah. was the way really that I worked with a lot of people and a lot of my clients too. Yeah. And it was, it was a wonderful joy, but that was, yes, that was spectacular. And I did get to do the very first, uh, remember the Mondavi had a guest house. And I oh, the to- guest house. Yeah. The, yeah. Cause now any, any more wineries have all these guest houses, but that was one of the first where they actually made, had the idea to make a place for people to visitors to come and special oh, visitors. Oh, it was the first design house thing. You know, what do you call them? When you oh, show house. show house, show house. It was yeah. the first show house. And I didn't want anything to do with that because <laughs> I knew it was just going to take time. I didn't have time for it. But I had a carpenter friend who called uh, six weeks before it was finished and all open to the public. And he said, Sally, you have to change your mind because the person I had just dropped out. Oh, wow. And I know you can do it. And so in six weeks, I had furniture made. I sat down with them. With the best thing I loved with my design was when I could sit down with the architect, the builder, all those people. And we'd just throw ideas back and forth. And I was the only woman, of course, because there weren't women around then at that point. And, but they respected me enough to listen. And we'd just throw these ideas back and forth. And they built, we built the furniture for the kitchen was what I was doing in the show house and the fabric. We had tile designed and made, mm-hmm. uh, and we had some, I had some wallpaper for <laughs> Margaret Mondavi, bless her heart, wasn't sure that she liked that. And I, and I just said, I said to the man that was in charge of the 
Project Rodney Friedrich. And I said to Rodney, if she doesn't want this, I don't have time to change. She'll have to do it herself. So he went to her and told her that. And so she accepted what I did. And, and then you did more work for them later. So it worked out. I did. So that was that your only show house experience? That was the only one because I did not really want to get involved in those. Plus you were I busy did. enough. I didn't have time to do it. You know, I remember, um, I remember you saying, because I'm, I'm remembering a couple other, or at least one other designer that was in the Napa Valley shortly after you. Thomas who, was there before me. Before you. Okay. Thomas was there before you, but you, he would always, you know, there's, there's certain designers that I recall um, since I was in that, you know, around that growing up that would, you would, they, you would, some people would say, oh, so-and-so did my home. Can't you tell? And you could tell because it was their look, but you always said, I don't want anybody to know I did it. I want it to feel like the person's home. And, and that was, that was a, I remember that was like, wow, that is super cool because I hadn't thought about it before you said that, but it was absolutely true. You know, it wasn't like, oh, Sally Tantel's been here, but it, you know, it, it, people would walk in and say, this feels so wonderful. And it feels like you, I remember you saying that's, that would be your best compliment. It was the very best compliment. And what I did when I sat down with my clients in the very beginning was I would listen. I would listen to what they didn't even say. Yeah. All right. Yeah. To their, how they moved and how they did this and that. And, um, <laughs> and I just, I just had a funny thought come in about Boots Brunstein calling one night and saying, will you please talk to my husband because we're not being able to talk to each other because we can't decide exactly where the rocking chair should go. Oh, and so I solved that problem for them in the middle of the night, but it was just, I mean, it was wonderful, fun things. I was so fortunate to have, be there when I was, when I was and to have the wonderful friends and to be there when St. Alina was just filled with warm, caring people You've heard me say a million times going into the going into the post office and Louis Martini and I were the only ones there. And I and it had been very rainy and lots and lots of grapes were not going to be picked that year. And I looked at Louis and I said, Louis, were you able to pick your grapes and get them off? And he said, no, but I've learned to average on 15 years. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, well, you're very fortunate to be able to do the 15 years okay. because there's a lot of new wineries that haven't been here five years, let alone long enough to keep averaging. But that was, I mean, that was the kind of atmosphere I got to work in. And it was when I did work on their home too. Yeah. So, well, um, and I think growing up, you know, you, you certainly knew what it was like to not have, and, and you worked hard. You, you, another reason you did interior design, not just because you loved it, but you also, you know, we had two working parents and we, that was important at the time. And you were lucky to have a career that you really loved. And I think, um, that was also an example for me. I always, always love, I still do. I still do. I mean, I go into, doesn't go to, away. No, and you're the same. You, you, because you've learned really with me, and would go into a restaurant or would go into someplace and would talk about the things that were in yeah. there and the colors yeah. on the wall and the lights in the ceiling and, or the lights not on the ceiling. And, you know, all of that it was just part of, of 
of you also getting this feeling that's led you to where you are with your, I mean, your creative, your creativity is so far beyond what mine is, Margo. And I just, I just, well, it's true. You think creatively first. Well, got it from you, but thanks. I think, thank you. I don't mean to gloss over that. I really appreciate that, but I think it comes from certainly what we're surrounded by, what we're, what we're exposed to and our curiosity. Right. So I think that you helped instill, install that, that curiosity. And I just keep being curious, thankfully. Thankfully. Yes. Yes. But I think that's why I love home decor. I mean, I love so many things, but that's, I remember going into these showrooms and thinking, Oh, I want to have a fabric line someday, or I want a furniture line someday or, or work with it in some way. And, you know, I have, I just professed that you could do anything you wanted to, that you were capable of that. And you are doing that. And thank you. It's hard to believe sometimes when you're growing up, like, and I was lucky to have parents that, that instilled that, but I, you know, yeah, I'm your sister too. Yeah, yeah, of course. And she has, she has great design, but that is what the profession she chose. So many people, exactly. She's very, very talented. You said you wanted to say a few things and you were writing down some notes. Like, so what are some Sally tidbits you want to instill? Just that like you, I love color. I love color. How if you can see her right now, mom always is kind of matching. She's got, she's sitting in a chair and she's got her her kind of turquoise colored down vest is on the chair behind her. She's got a slightly different color blue, but it works all works together, of course. And then the scarf has a turquoise green. It always goes together and the earrings, turquoise earrings. Yeah. It always, there's color happening. It's never black. Sometimes it's black, but if it's black, the scarf is orange, you know, there's always color, but it's subtle and refined. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But that's uh, yes. And I love color. And personally, I love just what nature has given me. Every time I look out the door, I see blue and green. I love it with a little touch of red or orange or that punch color that goes with it. And, And I had a hard time not always taking that to my clients because I wanted it. To look like them and not like mm-hmm. me. So, but so that's what do you all. think of the um, neutrals and grays of the last, you know, eight to 10 years? Well, you're asking me because you've heard me scream about gray <laughs> so, so much. I, I think our world has gone crazy on the gray world. I think there is too much gray in everybody's lives right now. And I think it's reflected in so many, many ways. There's gray on a foggy day. Do you feel the same as when the sun is shining? No, but that I never once in all my design years in the Napa Valley had anyone paint a room gray, not once. Okay. I do remember going into a doctor's office and I've said this on here too. And I, I remember having this conversation. I don't think it was very long after we'd moved in there. Um, and the, uh, it was gray. And I remember thinking, why would you paint a doctor's office? Like, how aren't you already not wanting to be here? Why would you paint it gray? Well, I just love color. And I just think it's, it's uplifting. It does more for us. But as I say, gray, people are wearing gray. They're painting their houses gray. 
you look outside on a gray day and. and so what if it was gray, be- but it had a little chartreuse? Well, yeah, that makes all the difference in the world <laughs> if you throw those other colors in. But I mean, it's like I've got white walls in this house right now, but it's loaded with color. True. Sometimes you need you need that sort of back. But it's not. But you're not talking color, color like, blah. You know, your color is a beautiful tablecloth. Your sofa is a is you know blue. You have art that's nice. You know, it's not. It's it's tastefully done mom yes and the other thing in a kitchen i i have a hard time with too much design going on in paper and tile because mm-hmm. there's so much else going on in a kitchen yeah and so i don't want it i don't like things to get i don't know over overdone too busy too busy too busy uh if they could see me right now with your father's desk behind me. <laughs> it looks all pretty busy. They can't see that. But uh, that's, you know, that's an office and it's the books we love. And we do. I love, I love books in, in a house. I just think they see. You, you are a designer and a book person. Those are, those are, those are two of the main things for sure. And a, and a carer. I've got sitting beside me, Howard Backens from the, mm. From the land, because there's a combo. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be fair if I didn't mention that. And I also Howard. Ba- who's Howard Backen? Tell Howard us. Backen is one of the finest architects I know of. Yeah, uh, in the Napa Valley. He happens uh, to be in the Napa Valley, but he's darn good all over the world. I imagine he or wherever he shows up. A beautiful book, and it's uh, the things he does are. are are marvelous. I just think he does excellent things. Peter Collins is another architect in the Napa Valley that I would be remiss without and without talking about because he does a wide variety of things. I know one of the things he just did in the last year was so precise because all the beams were metal and there was not a fourth of an inch to spare when they all fit together. Mm. It's like putting a puzzle together and making it work. And I love talking to Peter about things like that because he's such a dear, dear friend. Uh, I did come across a book uh, in the last year that you have seen. It's called uh, Nature, The Nature of Home. And mm-hmm. it's by Jeffrey Duncan. Okay. And I know that you... And I both enjoyed some of the yeah, things. Yeah, that's a beautiful very, book. Very, very different from Howard Backen's, but just fabulous. One of the things that Howard Backen did that I absolutely love is that he had glass doors that could disappear into the walls completely, mm-hmm. not just with three layers of glass still showing, but completely designed them so it just disappeared completely into the wall. Yeah, so it's like an um, open... Yes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. someday. So yeah. I have a question. So, I mean, gone are the days. I've certainly have never, you know, felt like I had a house where I was going to hire an interior designer. Um, our, our lifestyles are very different than that. Now there's a lot of ways to get beautiful things. Um, and certainly there, there are, I'll, tons of wonderful interior designers, but it just, it, I would say it looks a little different, but for, for those 
of us that, um, you know, have a space that we love, but we might be doing things ourselves. Like what, what would be a recommendation that you would have on how to approach making a space feel like you? Ooh, uh, well, I would always sit down and talk to, talk to people and get to know them. And I think really sitting and thinking about the style that you're comfortable in. There's so many magazines and books now you can look through. That's something I used to do actually with clients would give them a design book and have them go through and put paste-its on pages that stuck out to them. Post-its, yeah. And that helped me really find out mm-hmm. what direction they were Pre-Pinterest. Yes. And I would do the same with people today and say, Show me go, what you like. Go, you know, look at the magazines, but you can go online. My gosh, you've got, you've got, uh, uh, what is it? Pinterest. Got in my head. I've got, no, it starts with a P. Pinterest. <laughs> with all the, yes, Pinterest with all the things that you mm-hmm. can look at and look at and look at and see. And I mean, there's so many ideas on Pinterest and I, I haven't been on it for years, but I, when it first started, I was on it way too many hours a day. Uh, I was like my dear grandson with his games. I think I just love to do that. But they're there. They're there for you. And you can go to the design houses and look at the fabrics. You may not be able to get them. But if you go to the design house, be it Brunswick and Fee, be it Schumacher, be it, I don't know, you, I mean, any, any of them. Well, and now there's so many places that so much is accessible. You can get beautiful pillows, you know, at West Elm and, or, yeah. you know, home goods or wherever you choose to choose so to, to do, or, you know, buy, buy fabric that wasn't available to everybody before and, and make a one or, you know, there's lot, there's lots of ways to do some fun block printed project, printing project with your kids. And, but I just think, um, it, I think one of the most overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. It can be overwhelming to somebody. And I think that's why, why getting a book and looking through some design books, uh, magazines, and really narrowing down, especially if there's two of you in the home, you both want to sit down and do that. Yeah, yeah. I never wanted just the, the woman, the wife to do that. Uh, I wanted, I mean, I would have their names who did which. <laughs> thing and that's really helpful is there anybody else that's inspiring you right now well my two daughters inspire me tremendously you do with all that you're doing i i listen to your podcasts i religiously listen to them i love them i learn more about you by listening to those (laughs) than i do most any other way it's fascinating to get to know your 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 child my daughter (laughs) um and in a whole different way and sense. And I love that. And I certainly am inspired by your sister who is a nurse practitioner in the ICU with COVID working her tail off and exhausted. So that I would like to say that uh, Marissa inspires me, uh, who has taught you jewelry making. And I think that... uh, Marisa Martinez. In her whole design way, she has done amazing things with her life and created 
a life for her two boys and herself. She's a gem. And she works hard at it. And I'm very impressed with what she does. Mm, that's beautiful. So, oh, really, that, really. that makes me a little teary. Yeah. I just so, think she's yeah. amazing. That is go on and on because yeah. there's many. That's beautiful, mom. Um, I will put in the show notes the books mom mentioned and Marisa Martinez uh jewelry is she's a mentor of mine and and uh does amazing things. Well you inspire me mom every day. Thanks for being here and thanks for always listening and taking good notes and letting me know what you think and and uh coming up with good ideas and I'm truly honored by your asking me to do this. Thank you. Well you'll have to come back because I know we barely touched on all the things that, that you stand for. Love you, mama. Thank you. Love you right back. That's it for this episode of windowsill chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to windowsill chats on your favorite podcast app, and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to, and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.